House of Run podcast. What are you into these days? Mostly running, Howard. Running. Yeah. Look at Bill! Look at Bill! Coming on! Bill, you're coming on! I'm not thinking about making the team. I'm thinking about gold in Munich. What can I say? I got beat by a zebra. Starts now. Welcome back to the House of Run podcast. House of Run at gmail.com is the email address. I'm Kevin Sully, joined by Jason Halpin. On today's episode, we will talk about my trip to Albuquerque for the U.S. Indoor Championships. We'll also talk about Monte Duplantis continuing to set records. He might set another one before we post this podcast because he's vaulting again on Wednesday. Joshua Cheptegei set a world record on the roads. Wade Van Niekerk. Came back. Yes. You're excited about that last one, huh? So excited. I mean, going wrong. World records are fine, but we're talking about Wade Van Niekirk. We also got a lot of emails to get to as well. But before we do that, I'm going to start this episode with another plug for things that I do in my life, Jason. Yeah, absolutely. This show has turned into, and it's me plugging, yes, again, another podcast because. It's 2020, and if you're not involved in at least three podcasts, you're just limiting your media availability. But this one's about running, so people might like it more than the yeah. other one. I'm no, I mean, I, I, I I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah, you, you told me that, so now you're doing, so you're doing five episodes daily, one episode of House of Run, three to four episodes of that. You're doing basically recording ten episodes a week. This is this is impressive. Yeah, the latest one we're doing a. A podcast here at Flow Track every day, every Oof. day. Now I may not be on it every day, right? Uh, but I wasn't on it today, but I listened to it and it was good. It was my colleagues. There's only three of us rotating, so I'm going to be on it. Yes, anywhere between probably three to four times per week. Uh, it's an hour each day. It's called the Flow Track Podcast. You can subscribe. You can watch the video on the website. You can listen to it. You can consume it however you'd like. And I know what you're thinking out there people listening you're thinking kevin you already do a running podcast you already do it with your best friend jason aren't you just gonna cannibalize all the stuff that you talk about with jason on this show you know you had a show yesterday and you talked all about this lopez lemong paul chalimo beef what could there possibly be to add to it until i woke up this morning and there was another post on Instagram. <laughs> so now we're getting even more updated. That's why we need to have multiple podcasts here. That's why we need a daily running podcast. Because you so never What's going to happen more? Like a new post responding to this or Mondo breaking <laughs> world records by one centimeter at a time? Honestly, I think Mondo because I think the last two chapters in Lamong v. Chalimo have been Lamong. And I think yeah. you can't do it a third time. Yeah. Because then it starts to seem Chalimo's ghosting him. Yeah. Like you're really reaching and he's moved on. Um But you're right, multiple Mondo records also makes the case for why you need a podcast that comes to you more than just once a week. Uh obviously I, I'm excited to listen to the float. I haven't listened to the new there's only I you know, I'm going for two. I found out yesterday that this podcast existed, so I'm sorry I haven't quite jumped on board yet. Um, but I'm going to. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to listen to that. Um, yeah, and like, hey, those, those guys are great. I, I like the the other guys that you. I read the writing. I haven't really heard them on podcasts a bunch, but like, it's still going to be a different dynamic. You talking to them, them talking to each other, than me and you talking. So 
I, yeah. I think you could still still enjoy both. I listen to multiple baseball podcasts. That's not crazy. Yeah, they're still talking about the same sport. A uh, lot of talk about the NBA All-Star Game on both uh, the first two episodes. So it's not if, – if you like the sensibility of this show – Yeah, we've never talked about the NBA on this podcast, so we're already <laughs> vastly different. Yeah. All right. Let me take you back to Friday evening, Jason. Yeah. Albuquerque, New Mexico, a place – where you have been, the Albuquerque Convention Center. You've been multiple Have you been there, Jason? Yes. <laughs> Drink. Jason's been there. Nothing has changed. Perfect. That's Absolutely. what I want. I would have been angry if things had. Yes. It's pretty much the same thing. The only thing that's changed is I look at it with different eyes because I've been to much bigger track meets now. Whereas the first time I went to U.S. Indoors, we went in, was that 2011, right? It must have been 11 because we started in 10. Sounds right, yeah. We were like, oh, wow. They gave us a credential? Yeah, it was cool. That's pretty cool. Uh, now, I mean, I, I had gone to the 08 trials, but not in the same capacity. Uh, the same types of people are there. Our same friends in the media are <laughs> there. Is there an Albuquerque Tauberkirky or Towerkirky? I don't know. No, there is okay. not. There's just, just making sure some things remain sacred. Good. They have tradition there, and they put a track <laughs> inside of a cavernous building, and it's at altitude. People, some people show up, most people don't. Yep. In any event, the men's three thousand meter ends. I go over to the interview area to talk to Mister Paul Chalimo, who won unsurprisingly yep in a race that i would say was i call it perfunctory if i I, it it was just it it wouldn't be in the list of top 10 paul chalimo wins i'll say that it was no definitely not it it was very matter of fact and you know him just kind of playing around a little bit which he does a lot in races especially where he knows he's the best in the field and it was just kind of like yeah i'm just gonna win this race and it wasn't particularly fast or anything like that. He gets his award. He goes to the interview area. I ask him such classic questions as, how'd you feel about your race? Or something <laughs> to that effect. Not sure. Haven't quite nailed down these questions yet, Jace. And then we get to uh, the latter part of the interview. When I asked him if he was disappointed that people didn't show up. There was a lot of big names that didn't show up. And either he misunderstood or he gave a somewhat diplomatic answer. Uh, and we went on to the last question. And I remember, I thought back. I said, hey, wait a minute. The last U.S. championship he ran, outdoors, there was that dust up between him and LeMong. And I didn't come here to pace the Bowerman Track Club. Yep. Right? Which then precipitated all the stuff on Instagram between him and LeMong and Cholimo telling LeMong that he hadn't won a medal yet. So I asked him, and I knew LeMong obviously wasn't there. He was racing at the UW meet. I said, hey, are you excited to race Lopez this year? A fairly open-ended question. Yep. You could take it multiple ways. Uh, He chose to take it. In the best possible way. Yeah. For you, for sure, right? I mean, like that's how you would have prayed that he was going to answer this question. For me and also for the world. Yeah. uh, I don't want to... I don't want to oversell it, but uh, yeah, he says last year was his down year. Uh, he said he can brag about this, brag about that. He said, but this year, bring it on. And uh, I said that I will, I will for a moment overlap 
the flow track podcast here because on Monday I just said that Paul Chalima has impeccable timing when he knows he's made his quote. He just walks off. It's like, you know, when you do stand up and you hit that last joke, you, just, yeah. you don't want to do any more, right? You, it the can't Costanza get too. Like that was a big Seinfeld thing where George would leave on the high note. Yeah. So he kind of gives a smile and then just, and then wanders off and that's it. All right. This gets posted. Obviously it's a very interesting quote. Uh, and then Lamong responds fairly quickly, captures the fo- the video on his phone. Yep. And puts uh, the dog who barks the loudest is not the most vicious. Hashtag Lamong strong. Hashtag Chihuahua. Chalimo then responds to that with an awesome Photoshop. It's a lion and then his face. Intense. Yeah. <laughs> it says, looks like he's about to fight the lion. And beat the lion, too. Yeah. Dogs compete at Husky Invites. Lions compete at championships. Only a lion can recognize a lion roar. I don't know if that's an actual quote. It has quotation marks around it. Hashtag Lamong scared at Lopez Lamong. Hashtag Chihuahua who. Then if you think this is over, it's not. <laughs> Lamong responds again. This was the next day, right? This is Sunday. Yeah. The picture of a Chihuahua. Hand me a leash. I'm going to walk this dog. Hashtag Lamong Strong. Chalimo gets in the comments there and says, I give up. But before I do, go get a global medal or at least get top three in a diamond league. Then we can talk, homie. As for now, I dropped the mic. We are not in the same league, period. Uh, I think the long, the long report applied in the comments to that one right was that where that yeah okay so he says he says something that's in swahili which i asked uh a listener emily well she has ended up putting it in google translate but i trust her opinion here uh wash your mouth please boy and then he says yes you're right i am not in your league and then i thought it was over and here's where we get to the new category or the new new section of this rivalry this morning, or 21 hours ago, I guess, as of this recording on Tuesday afternoon, Lamong posts a picture. What is he doing here? He's laying down. Is it like a massage thing? But he has like cables connected to him. Yeah, it looks. It's. Uh, I think I tried some of this when my back was really bad. Um, it's some acupuncture slash of the you know when they hook up the little electrode Stimulus. things to it. Yeah. yeah. So I, I definitely did something similar to this. It did not help me, but maybe it's it's helping him. Um, weird picture to post with a with this, uh, yeah, yeah, saying yeah. on the side here, but yeah. So the caption is: I heard somebody barking nonsense again. Don't let me grab my leash. Hashtag Chihuahua. Hashtag Lamongstrong. That's where we're at right now. All yep. a lot of pro runners are jumping in to the comments. There's popcorn emojis. Uh, I've said basically all I can about this. I, I want to know your your thoughts here. It's fantastic. Um, it's it's rare we really get the the distance runner beef like where it actually you know is is the the back and forth. It has the maturity of middle school going back and forth. Um, but I I'm loving every every second of it because it's first of all it's fun. Like sports rivalries are fun. Um, 
I wouldn't be surprised at all if they're obviously just playing this up for everybody. Yeah. As well. Um, because, like, I mean, some of the stuff they're put, you know, the picture of a chihuahua in a lion's costume and, and all this stuff, like, it, it's like they can't actually think these are great burns. It's just like, to me, it looks like putting on a fun show. Um, and I think they're legit rivals, and I think they really, really, really want to beat each other. Um, but I, I'd be surprised, you know, like, if a fight breaks out between the two. I just think it's, I, th- I think it's very entertaining. It would, it would also not surprise me if behind the scenes they're texting. Yeah. However, Chalimo did kind of smile when he started this with the comment in the mix on. Yeah. But he also, like, if you go back and watch the video, because that's the only evidence we have that's on tape. All this other stuff is just Instagram. Yeah. And it's just text. He looks pretty serious. He looks pretty I, serious. He doesn't look yeah, like a guy who's trying is. to like, play I, it up. Yeah. No, I, I think... I said, I, I think they are serious. I think it is like a genuine like rivalry. Um, but I, like I said, it's just, it, it is, it's a show in the sense that almost all of this stuff is for, I mean, same with, N, you know, we see NBA players do stuff like this or any sport. And it's really, it's like, Not yeah, it's a rivalry. And I still want to, you know, take you down. And I still want to show you up on the, on the court, the field, the track, whatever it is. But like, is there actual hatred here? I, I'd be surprised, but like, I think it's like that genuine. Just like, hey, I'm watch out. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat you. Is there a winner here? Us, everyone else. <laughs> I don't know if Lamong or Chalimo. No, I'm gonna say not. Not really a huge one, but uh, the rest of us, absolutely. America. Yeah, yeah. It's good for track. It's fun. Yeah, like it's you know, it's it's it's, it's kind of hilarious. It adds an element to. You know, people going back and forth. Like it's, I always, you know, really enjoyed like, same with like the like the NBA and like the '90s when Still NBA players sport talking about yeah when NBA players like hated each other a little bit yeah and like yeah. had you know had real things instead of all being like kind of buds. Um, that was before Instagram hey, even. Imagine yeah, those I, Instagram in the '90s, <laughs> right? Like I yeah you know and I, hey I like people getting along, but I also like real rivalries and people getting fired up and like that's that's a good time. If I had told you before outdoors last year, yeah, I said Jason. In February 2020, there's going to be a distance runner beef that's going to span two championships. Yeah, outdoors and indoors, and you had to pick the two athletes that it would involve. Would you have said it would be Chilimo and Lamont? <laughs> I I don't think I would have gotten there at any point. Um, you know, with Chilimo, I'm like, all right, the guy he likes to talk a little bit, but even then, I don't think he's like a like this big trash talker or something like that, I would have said like, oh, Ezekiel Kemboy's back and France is still holding on to his medal. They're still on the bad list? Yeah. I'd have thought it involved maybe a miler or something. Some, something where there's just like bad blood because someone tripped somebody in a, in a tactical race. Yeah, I would not have guessed it would be between these two guys. I'm f- agreeing. I'm in agreement with you. I think we all win here. Yep. I think... We're probably not going to see them race, though. That's what this also leads me to believe, because <laughs> I don't believe that great things happen in the world of track. I just don't. <laughs> you think I think something's going to come gonna up. going to run the 10, Chalimo's going to run the 5, and that's going to be and, it. And he's going to say, hey, get a medal first. It is funny. LeMong's been around for so long. Like He is much older than than Chalimo. They're guys of, of two different eras, yet they're putting their generational differences aside to... <laughs> talk trash to each other on an app 
I I appreciate it. Uh, it would have been nice if more people showed up to the meet, though. He does have a point. Chalimo does yeah. have a point. No, I mean, I, I, I'm all about that. And the way the way Chalimo races, I think, like leads to sort of this type of conclusion, right? He's the guy who's going to go out front, he's going to push, and he's going to probably think less of people who don't. And and that's how all front runners are, are wired, I think. Right. right. And, and then the fact that Kincaid was involved and he was pulling both of those guys along last year, he ended up, you know, none of them ended up making the team in the 5,000 except for Chalimo anyway, because they yeah. got the standard. But I think, I think it's, it's worked in, it's baked in a little bit to the DNA here uh, of how Chalimo runs, that he's going to take a bit of offense uh, if people duck him or if people try to say that because they beat him once, they're somehow a superior runner than him than he is. Yeah, it's at the same time. I mean, Lamong, you know, has the last, the most mm-hmm. recent punch, if you will. Yep. Like, yep. I, I think Chalimo is a better five thousand meter runner. I think he has a better chance of a medal. Um, but you know, he beat him in the most recent race. So I mean, Lamong can can hold on to that, and uh, you know, maybe they maybe they will. Maybe Lamong will race both at USA's. Um, I don't. Chalimo race both. I say maybe Chalimo will. I mean, he could. Um, but yeah, I hope they do race because I think it'll be fun. Um, yeah, there's real no doubt. And you know, it's like I said, I, if they re race, I expect Chalimo to win. But I still think it'll be it'll be great. Like, ah, okay, now we're one and one since blah blah blah, and you know, there'll still be some of that to say. There's, they've obviously never raced in the ten, but in the five, it's four and two all time with. The, Lamong having the edge. Wow. Okay. But so there. So even if Chalimo wins the next one, hey, still still ahead of you, lifetime bud. But this goes back. Okay. So in twenty twelve, it goes back to twenty twelve. Scoreboard, man. It's all that matters. Scoreboard. Scoreboard. Yeah. Yeah. So Lamong beat him at the twenty twelve Peyton Jordan meet. He got first. Chalimo got eighth at the twenty fifteen Peyton Jordan How meet. Lamong got Lamong at that point. What's that? How old was Chalimo at that point? Are you still in college? Yeah. Uh, I mean, what's he, 20? That seems so far, yeah. so, so far away for him. Well, so 2015 at Peyton Jordan, Lamont gets ninth, Chalimo gets 12th. Okay. Then USA's that year, Lamont gets 6th, Chalimo gets 11th. Then it's 2016, so this is the Olympic trials, right? Yeah. Chalimo gets third, gets on the team. Lamont gets tenth. Mm. Then the next year, USA's Chalimo wins. Lamont gets fifth, and then last year, Lamont snaps the losing streak. He had a chance to go three three last year. Yeah. I didn't realize that was at stake, but uh, he beats him by less than three tenths of a second. So there we have it. I think trash talk of the year is settled. It's over I, at this I, point. It's, it's going to be real tough. Yeah. Unless Warren Weir and Donovan Bailey got something to say. Donovan Bailey? Bringing him Was back. Bailey? Are you Ryan Bailey. Ryan, Ryan Bailey. Ryan Bailey. Not Donovan Bailey. Oh, stop. You're bringing Canada in this yeah, old wow, Canadian sorry Olympians. Yeah, Canada. And Canada's been very sensitive when I talk about any of their runners lately, so I apologize, Canada. <sighs> Canada. Canada. Yeah. Ryan Bailey. Uh, yeah. Do, do, do not speak ill of the former world record holder, Donovan Bailey. Never. Uh, the other, there's other, there's two basically big stories other than this to me. One... Houlihan getting the double. 
Yeah. And the other easy. one was and the other one was Christian Coleman rolling out of bed and running a six thirty seven in the sixty and almost breaking his world record. Yeah, and he didn't even I mean he didn't even get off the line well, which we know he is the best at in the world. Yeah. Like just flying up and he was behind my little bit and still like blew everybody away in the sixty, which that's really hard to do because it's sixty meters. Not a long race. Not a lot of meters. It's really hard to like put on a huge gap on everybody, but he did because he's really, really good. Um, it's your boy Marvin Bracey finished he's second. Back. He hasn't run yeah. since 2017. And he's he's the indoor king though. I, I don't know what he'll really be able. You know, he's Richard Kilty basically, right? Like is Marvin no. Bracey and Richard Kilty nope. are they the same person? No, because no one stole his spikes. Listen, I don't want to read too much into one result, but. Marvin Bracey is now a contender for that third spot in the Ooh. Olympic team. Okay. I mean, I, I call I called for the this is the end of Gatlin thing, so that would be, You got to uh, get somebody to beat him. Big. This might yeah. be your guy. This I feel not super confident about that, but you never know. Guess how old Marvin Bracey is? <sighs> what is he like 26? Yeah, he's 26. That game oh, is wow. not very fun cuz you always guess them. But he hasn't run <laughs> He didn't run but, like 18? it does. Yeah, it's crazy he because 19. he's been he was very good at in his early twenties and yeah. yeah. Hey, I hope I hope he's you know he's got talent. Obviously, I don't know if he just can't you know he's always been good indoors. So obviously, he's got a good first sixty. He just hasn't been able to to keep it together. But maybe he uh, maybe he figured something out. He got worked by Coleman, but he ran six forty nine, which is a good non Coleman adjusted time. Oh, for sure. Yeah, d- ignore Coleman in this race because Coleman's the greatest sixty meter runner ever. Yes. And it's and he's going to win the gold medal almost assuredly in the Olympics. So it's like okay, he did, he wasn't good against the best in the world, but uh, he beat Brandon Carnes and yes. Demick Kemp. And he ran six forty nine. I think that's yeah, the important thing. That's the important thing. You're right. He ran six forty nine, and his PR is six forty eight on this same track in 2014. So he's at least yeah. back to where he was in in 2014, and. You know, 2014-15, he was running quick. He ran 9.93 in 2015 outdoors. I think 9.93 will get you on the team this year. It'll be close at the very least, yeah. So, he's experienced. I don't know, Roddy Baker could be back too. That's true. That's true. I just I said he's in the mix now. No, I think I'm, I think you're right. I, th- I think that's that's fair. He's If he's basically, you know, at his same, you know, 60-meter speed, you have to go, all right, he's good. I mean, he took couple years off to play football right i mean he did the brazier yes yes so oh, we have an email about brazier and football a couple actually. Oh, okay i like how coleman's baseline is i'm almost gonna break the world record <laughs> first race of the season poor start yeah still almost does it yeah i mean i'm very high in coleman I, you know i think he's got a chance at the american record in the hundred um that's yeah a, a yeah, tall yeah. order, but like not not crazy at this point, which is which is pretty pretty nuts. Let's talk about Shelby for a moment. Yes. Uh, after Perrier ran four sixteen the mile, I thought, okay, we might have something here. And at about four hundred meters to go on Friday night in the yeah. three thousand, now nah, maybe maybe more than that, maybe six hundred meters ago, I thought, nah, we don't have anything here. We no longer have anything here. <laughs> Yeah, and that's not against the rest of this field because... It's unfair to Perrier. She ran one is. race that was good. It's unfair to say, okay, you're going to go beat a woman who has 11 U.S. titles. However, when you run 416, it seemed possible. Yeah. And then Shelby 
ran a 29.9 off a pretty honest pace to run 8.52. And then the next race, the next day, Perrier scratches out of that, which is a bummer. I bet, and I wonder in retrospect if she wishes she didn't even run the 3K and just came back fresh for the 15 because she'd probably have a better chance of 15. But, I mean, there, Shelby closing a 29.8. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Shelby Hill was losing either of these races. Um, I don't either, but I mean, at least I think Perrier maybe could have gotten second in or third oh, in the in the 1500 if she. Yeah, was. no, yeah, Perrier's yeah, it's good, and it's just like the women on the women's side. A lot more people did show up. Um, yes, women's distance for sure. It was a, it was a lot better. Poolhan just looked insanely sharp. You know, she. Yeah. It, you know, if you're if you're leaving indoors and you're going, all right, what do we? You know, okay, Brazier looked unbelievable. Poolhan looked unbelievable. Like some of them just looked just like so methodical and mm-hmm. easy, but still just like putting massive gaps on people. Um, yeah. I mean, Hulahan looks like, you know, a metal threat unquestionably, which I mean, we knew, but like, it's still, it's looking really good. I think she's, well, not knowing what Hassan's doing, it's hard to say, but I think she's, she's a gold medal threat. I don't think she's the, f- yeah, she's not the favorite, favorite but no, she's a but- threat. I mean, I'd put it almost even with Kippy gone right now, if like if if we could get percentages. That's yeah. I mean, she would be in that. For, there'd be, you know, Hassan if she's in there, obviously. But Kippy gone, Houlihan would be. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many unbelievable middle distance women. Um, but you're right. She she's in that top. She's in the top three probably. Um, yeah, and that's saying a lot with how how good that field is. If Hassan doesn't run, it'll be a shock if she doesn't get a medal like that's the expectation i think is medal and yeah i, I mean the way I she runs you know the way she closes it's like you have a hard time picturing her not yeah yeah passing by <laughs> half the field um right. even if she's not in the greatest position um but man it's just the amount of talent in there it's it's it, it's going to be hard for me to just because i i feel like i'll be able to say that about five women where i'll be like they're definitely gonna medal yeah like, wait a second i'm out of medals <laughs> You all get a medal. Wait, now some of you have to give <laughs> your medal back. Bowerman in general on the women's side rolled. Yep. Uh, Schweizer was really strong. Could be that. Could be that medalist in the five thousand <laughs> that we're looking for. She was second in the three k and then third in the fifteen. Quigley was second in the fifteen and then third in the three k. You mentioned the eight hundred uh, on the women's side. Ajay Wilson. One, you know, you know what happened? So I was watching this race and I think I was up in those, the, the seats that we normally sat in there, trackside. Yeah. And I think Audrey Wilson like made her move and I just like, well, it wasn't even like a move. She did the subtle pull away thing. Yeah. And I like just calmly got my stuff and like walked to where <laughs> I needed to go next. Like I didn't even watch Yeah. from, I, I probably watched the last 50. But from like when the bell, when the bell rang, with two hundred to go, to fifty meters to go. So for that like one fifty, I was like, I've seen this a thousand times. Yeah, this is the exact same race, over and over and over again. Uh, I was watching it not live, but um, you know, after the fact, and my wife was sitting next to me, so we were just she was just kind of casually watching, and she watched it, Aji Wilson, and she said she looks really bored. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, she honestly, she is. She's yeah. so much better than everybody else. And that's not to insult that field at all. It's she's when she's right. She's the best in the world. There's no question. Whatever happened at worlds last year happened at worlds last year, but she is, you know, she, she ran one fifty eight 
week a week or two ago. So week ago, yeah, yeah, two two oh two basically. Um, you know, you knew this was going to be be really easy, and she did. Like she looked almost, and I know she's not bored while she's trying, but man, it was just like, yeah, okay, this is this is real obvious what I'm doing here. Uh, also, funny, she man. really thought. Uh, when I'm fast forwarding a little bit, she I stopped at the race walk just accidentally, and she thought it was hilarious. Johnny Football did. Yeah, she Did was you... just blown away. She's like, "Wait, they're walking? I didn't know that was an option. Maybe my maybe I could have had a career in this." And you brought up Wilson at uh in Doha. I asked her about like what she like if it was a good memory or a bad memory because she still meddled. She did, yeah. And she was talking about like what went wrong, basically. Mm. And what lessons she took from it. And it seemed that she just, she was talking about making sure you maximize every race opportunity. And she seemed to, I kind of got the vibe. She was taking it a little for granted. That's, that's the impression yeah. I got. And I don't know if that manifested itself in terms of race tactics. Right. right. Like, Oh, I'll be able to get my spot. So I don't need to worry about it. Or it was something else with regard to training or preparation leading up. But I think it wasn't, She's owning up to it. She's not like, oh, yeah, I just gave it my best, and they were better right. than me on that day. She's she's basically saying, yeah, I need to fix some things, and I can fix some things. Uh, Good. I yeah. Mean, that's, no, I like the – That's I, what you want to hear? Yeah. Because, yeah, it's – and I could see, hey, it's kind of – you could see how it's easy to get complacent when you're the runaway favorite and you yeah. never lose a race, um, especially to only to women who weren't allowed to compete. So, like – yeah, everyone had given her the gold medal, right? I mean, it was without question. Everyone outside of the people in that field, I suppose. Um, and it, it, you know, you could probably get psyched out a little bit where you're just kind of, you know, drinking a little bit of that Kool Aid. Uh, but a now even more motivated Wilson, yeah. could be a very scary thing. And I yeah. like that. No, me too. Well, and the, so the the two people who beat you are your training partner, who's never beating beaten you before. Yeah, and Halima Nakali of Uganda, who nobody nope. had heard of at all before that meet. You might, if you were, if you heard of a Ugandan 800 meter runner, Jason, it was Winnie Nanyando. It was not Halima Nakali. Put that on my gravestone. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and so you just you're like, wait, what? Like it must have just felt like kind of a bit like a bad dream of like this for sure. Like yeah. okay, I maybe I lose if to. I don't even know who she would have lost to. <laughs> yeah, Goulet, maybe. I yeah, mean, even yeah. Then, right. Like, I mean, because like, yeah, at least Goulet had dropped one fifty six or one fifty seven at least. Like, and you just go, hey, she runs one fifty seven five to one fifty seven two. Yeah. You go, wow, that was weird. I'm still surprised she lost, but I guess I could see it. Sure. Um, what happened there was just completely weird. Men's eight, Bryce Hopple gets his first U.S. title. His win streak is now at two for this year, so he's getting closer <laughs> to getting to the twenties like last year. Uh. Murphy didn't run. Clayton Murphy didn't run, and then the men's fifteen. Obviously, the it was it was basically Engels v Thompson. Thompson got the win. Engels faded a third. He struggled like afterwards. He was tough. boxed all over the place too. It looked like it looked like he was never comfortable that whole. Yeah. Time. Well, he said he's like th- he was thinking about running more indoor races. I think, and he's just like, no, I'm gonna shelve it. Like I don't know what's what's wrong with me right now. But he was not. He wasn't happy with his race at all. Yeah. Uh, Thompson now is a contender, right? He does really good at USA's, but doesn't have the standard. Then goes on to run 335 in Europe last year and now gets a, a U.S. title. And he had, like, shaved things in the side of his head, which was cool. Uh, yes, I did see that. That was, yeah. was very Andy Samberg and pop star. 
so, which is a plus. So the 15 will be interesting between the the established names, the people we know about, but also you, know, you got to throw someone like Thompson in there as having a real chance to to get top three. But I still think Centro is going to show up when it counts. Yeah, I'm not worried about Centro making the team at all. I think um, I think Angles will get it right too. But those were the distance highlights, and the spr- we talked about the sprints in general. The 400s were whatever. The hurdles were whatever. A lot of scratches. Women's 60. Micaiah Briscoe won. Uh, but let's get to some record talk. We'll start with the American record because there were dueling American records in the women's triple jump. Katora Orji and then Tori Franklin. So we'll play the song for them, and then we have two world records to talk about one on the pole vault and then one on the on the roods but uh first of all this is uh do we dedicate it to both of them because Kator orgy had the american record for 20 minutes maybe yeah i think you know she she did set it it wasn't like she broke the old one after it was already broken kind of thing yeah um so yeah i think she she deserves you know it par- partly played in her honor yes all right here we go hey man did you see that record no, not a world, but an American record. Maybe it was a world record, too. It was the best performance by an American citizen or a relating composed of American citizens and an athletics event within the United States or abroad. Hey, man. Did you see that American record? Congrats to both Katura and Tori, combining for an awesome triple jump competition. Now let's talk about Mono. Again, this might be out of date by the time we post this episode. Uh, you might need to post this one really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> subject line, we're posting this before Mondo sets another world record. Uh, his 618 had a bunch of room to spare sandy morris in albuquerque said she thought he could go 630 <laughs> which is a huge jump up because he's doing this thing one centimeter at a time yeah um, is that the move going forward now just every centimeter well you get a bonus with each one right so you don't right wanna, you don't want to go too nuts yeah that's what i would do yeah I mean, what yeah, else I is he gonna do he's at the if top you have the of the chance world, to set the world record six times or something like that then that's kind of cool yeah uh I mean, this happened quickly, but it's not like we didn't see it coming. He's been vaulting since he's six years old. Yeah, and it seemed like, you know, he was already one of the best in the world. He was he was basically right in the mix, you know, with a couple guys where you'd go like, oh, yeah, any one of these guys could win. But it seemed like, hey, if he has, like, if he goes on a good run or he takes a half a step forward, um, yeah. then, it's, then it's just not even fair. And it seems like he just did. So... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, good luck, everybody. <laughs> All right, the other world record, and then we'll play, we'll play the song at the end, I guess. Joshua Cheptegei, Jason. Yeah. I think I called him overrated at one point <laughs> on the show. Whoops. He's out to prove me wrong. In this Monaco Road 5K, he drops a 1251. Um, he's wearing vapor flies, next percents, I think, so it doesn't really count. Right. It's true. Um, I want to let's just play the song. I'm gonna collect my thoughts for a moment because something was bothering me about okay. this. 
it's a world record the likes of which has never been seen it's a world record highest fastest farthest humans ever achieved wouldn't believe if i told you go to youtube and i'll show you got results to verify soon it will be ratified well it's a world record the likes of which has never been seen well it's a world record highest fastest farthest a human's ever achieved well it's a world record well it's a Congrats to Mondo and Joshua. Okay, we have to talk shoes because Chef Guy runs his time and that's all anybody wants to talk about because he does it in the shoes. Completely forgetting that Ronix Kiprochu yep. of, of Kenya broke the 10K world record in a more impressive time than 12.51. 12.51 is an amazing time. Yes. But what Kiprochu did, only two guys that ever run faster, is more impressive. A couple things here. Uh, watching the video, it's, it's nuts. He does this by himself, right? This is an astonishing race. This is a, an incredible run. Uh, I would venture to say the road time would have been fat. Like the time that he had to beat. Forget that. Remember they scrubbed all the records last year. It was 13 flat, right? And yeah. They scrubbed them all because it wasn't a valid distance or whatever. Um, and then the record was whatever, 13, 10, something like that. I mean, in their prime, how many guys ran, how many of the fast, fastest 5K guys ran road 5Ks? 100%. Yep. Not that much, right? Yep. And you're talking about a situation where, yeah, there was some downhill, but there was also some uphill. It was a, it was a, it was a serious course. It was an actual course. Uh, but, I mean, road times in a way could be faster than track times. Just there's not a lot of turning if you get the right weather, right? I mean, they're not measuring wind or anything like that in, in a distance race. Like we saw with with the Kipchoge race, like what a difference – you know, getting rid of turns are or, or making more subtle turns in the time is. So, and Kiprochu running as fast as he did on a road 10K, I think uh, road times can be comparable in those distance races to, to, to track times at a certain point, depending on the course. What bothers me, though, I don't even know if you're still listening anymore, but what bothers I, me... I'm in. Uh, it's, Tim Hutchings sent this tweet out, the, the commentator for uh, Eurosport, etc., AB or NBC, sometimes NBC, whatever it is. Uh, the times coming out of Monaco are quote unbelievable, and you're right to the to the tweet that came before. Comparisons with even the re- recent past are meaningless. Such a shame. Hashtag shoes. Then he says in another tweet, well, then he tweets about Obama. But then after that, he tweets, it's not even a flat course for goodness sakes. Assuming it's accurately measured, this performance is superhuman. Chapter guy is clearly an astonishing talent, but really, hashtag what. Heritage. Okay. We don't get to complain about Heritage an event where they redid the records in 2019. Okay? Legendary record, Kevin. That's been standing. For a year. Sammy Kipketer, back in the day, ran 13 flat at Carlsbad. That was the unofficial record, or the AARS record. And then it got revamped. And then now there's an official IWF record. So for a while, the person who had the 5K record, it was like 
slower than a split of a 10K. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. So we're not going to clutch our pearls here and claim that the history of track is forever robbed of significance and meaning because Joshua Cheptegei ran a 12.51 on a road 5K in an event that didn't even keep official records until 2019. Stop. Stop. I know everybody wants to fire off the shoe takes and everything has to fit into this shoe prism. Did it help him? Of course it helped him. Is it the end of sport? Is it ruining the history books? Am I going to be able to tell my son now about the Monaco 5K and how that forever altered the course of human existence and how it rendered the past meaningless and the future purposeless? No. It's a road 5K. Let's all calm down. You you couldn't be more dead on with all of this. Um, I, I was going to come in hot, but I, I can't. I can't even compete with that. Everything you said is right. The first of all, thirteen eighteen is ridiculous. For that the old time, it, that was the old it, time. Yeah, that was the official twenty nineteen. Whatever. Yeah. So people are like, he beat it by twenty seven yeah. seconds. No, it's like, he didn't. Thirteen. There are twenty guys in the world who could run faster than thirteen eighteen in a five k. On the I road. truly believe that. Like whatever Adidas, whatever shoe you want to put him in, thirteen eighteen is is a fine time. But it's that's not that's not something crazy. Sub thirteen is absolutely doable as a 5k on the roads. Like there's, I get there's small ben- There are some benefits to the track. Okay. The surface is great. Oh, the yeah. shoes were a lot better for track than they were for roads. Oh, weird. Okay. But let's ignore that. Um, a little easier to pace yourself, whatever. Um, but you're right. There are benefits that can happen outside winds, different stuff like that. I- I'm not blown away by 1251. Like I-, I think I'm like, that's a really good time. Like that seems more like in the realm of what, a 5k record should be. Um, and you're right. 2624 is way more absurd and it was running Adidas. So everyone just relax. Sammy Kipketer's time, 1259.5. So it was rounded up to 13 minutes. March two th- in the year 2000, March in the year 2000. So he improved eight seconds off of a time from the year 2000. Now are the courses exactly the same? Of course not. Everything's not identical. But also Sam, uh, Sammy Kipketer, legendary multiple gold medal Olympics world championships, right? I mean, he ran 12. What did he run the five? He ran 12.52 on Great. the track. And he won the Commonwealth Games once. Yeah. I, yes. Exactly. Sorry. This, this guy, nothing against Sammy Kipketer. He wasn't one of the greatest runners of all time. Yeah. yeah. Like he, he was a, a fine runner, but like not, this is, <laughs> it's not even great. Like it. There were plenty of guys who could have run faster than 13 flat. Mo Farah could have absolutely done it. Yeah. You, th- you think Bekele might have had a chance at it? <laughs> if you're going to have a red flag and you want to use it, use a red flag on Kip Ruju's time. Right? That's the one that's like, what? But why don't we hear it on that one, Jason? Oh, man. The, just because <laughs> Adidas is just so it, it, it's got to be legit or is it drugs what yeah what are we what are we mad about with that one i'm really trying to figure it out yeah and again i'm not saying the shoes had no difference i'm just saying we need to stop thinking of this of as a calamitous event all right we'll take deep breaths and we'll get through it together so congrats to joshua and yeah joshua chept guy is a really 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 good fast runner yes like he's we know he's one of the best runners in the world and that Maybe now they're actually 
setting up more races for guys to run fast in this distance as yeah. opposed to just having like, you know, obviously in like a cross country type course, you're not going to have a lot of guys trying to go sub 13. But if you have road mm-hmm. courses that are set up to be decently fast, there's going to be a lot of guys who can run sub 13. Yeah. I think it's one of those numbers though in your head of just like, okay, well that under that is like super duper rare. I mean, just think about how many years we've wasted on the track of diamond league five thousands where they dilly dally. Now, not all of them, right? Yeah. There's been some exceptions. The Brussels one was nuts. The Paris one a few years ago was nuts, but there's been more that have been one in thirteen Oh five, just because everybody looked at each other during the third and fourth kilometers. Right. So yeah, I mean, Chep guy and we know Chep guy like, I don't want to say record hunts, but like the dude wants to run fast a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. And if he's the only guy in the field, like he's not going to just go out there and jog it. Like he's proven that on the track, on the roads, whatever, like the dude wants to run fast. So, yeah. Yeah. So Ronix, because well, Ronix broke his, Chepka had that 10K road record. Yep. And then Ronix busted it out. So, I mean, is Ronix a 1240 guy? Right. <laughs> on the road? Yeah. It's, <laughs> is that even possible? Now the sh- I don't want to hear about the shoes. I know uh, next week's going to be all shoes, too, because it's a marathon. But uh, let's talk about Wade Van Deeker, and then we'll do emails. Yeah. I raced on the grass this week. Okay. Jason. And did the old 100-800 double. Perfect. 10-2 and a 157 on back-to-back days. Yeah, I I don't know what to make of any of that because it's – first of all, it's the 100 and the 800 in back-to-back days on the grass. Um I guess it's just, you know, kind of warming up the body, trying a the shorter distance to try to get, you know, what the peak speed feels like, and then also seeing, like, what going a little longer feels like, presumably. I don't know. I really don't know the logic behind it, but I'm guessing it's something like that. <laughs> uh, so, doesn't tell me a lot, but he's running. He didn't get hurt, as far as I could tell. Uh, should be running some 400s coming up. Yeah, I think he is at the end of the month. I mean, that's yeah, so that's, I mean, that's it's all what it's about. Like, he's, I mean, he, you know, I guess had run sub 10 in the 100 before, so he's he's fairly decent at that, but we know what he really wants to run. Mm-hmm. Yep, sounds yeah. about right. Yeah. I just I, to bring I, I, I'm excited he's running. That's that's the thing. I want him to get out on the track, and I'm sure his first 400 is not going to be anything crazy either, um, but he just needs to run a few in a row, you know? Like that yeah. Be a good good sign. All right, let's go to emails. Sound good? Yes, absolutely. Hasselbrunnagmail.com is the email address. Let's go first to Midwest. Hey, guys, I'm a little dismayed right now. I may just be a cranky old man who considers any deviation from the norm to be a catastrophic failure of the sport. There's just something pure about running that is adulterated by this generation of shoes and spikes, but I think I have a meaningful compromise on footwear that will satisfy all. Nike is concerned about being able to innovate and say their shoes provide a meaningful advantage. Athletes are concerned of the advantage being too large where they can't compete. And everyone, from hobby joggers to elites, doesn't want to look stupid. So here's my proposed rule, and it's a much tougher and it's much more fitting tribute to Bowerman than the Towerman. <laughs> Soul of all shoes must fit in a waffle iron that is available for purchase at a box store. <laughs> it is a complete throwback and tribute to the great man himself and make sure we all don't look ridiculous. In order to fit in said waffle iron, companies may even adopt the classic waffle look on the shoe, but will have the ability to compete with others over the materials in their shoes. 
I'm also in favor of all shoes being made in waffle irons. <laughs> I thought of this ingenious plan while wearing wireless headphones and wearing hokas, so my purist credentials may be a little suspect. Keep calm and stayed on. That is Midwest. I mean, if it if it ends all this, absolutely. Sign me up. I thought he was going to say everyone on the Oregon track team <laughs> can no longer have shoes larger than... <laughs> Just Bob out there with the alpha flies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, uh, yeah, it, it's whatever we want to do. I'm fine with it. I've seen people say everyone should have the exact same shoe and just put different logos on it. Sure, let's do that too. I don't care. Way to go, Bob. Hey, guys, this is from Jay Wilson, yeah. not a beach boy, formerly from Cincinnati, home of Chili Dogs with a completely reasonable amount of cheese, now from Lexington, <laughs> home of Sydney, the Glock McLaughlin. Drink. I fell behind on the pod over the holidays, but I started catching up a couple weeks back, and it was really fun to listen to all of the year-end awards, all-decade teams, and bold predictions right in a row. I also recently found a note in my phone titled House of Run Not-So-Bold Predictions, which contains some quotes from a few of the pods that, when taken out of context, sounded particularly not bold in a funny way. I guess I was planning to email them in at the end of the year and forgot. Anyway, here are some of my favorites from the list. And he doesn't say who says these, so I don't know if it's you or I, Jason. On Kipchoge v. Farah, unless something changes, that's the way it is. Oof, that could be either one of us. <laughs> on Bolt's possible return, there's an equal chance of anything happening. <laughs> that sounds more like you, to be honest. But On Norman's 43-45 season opener, it certainly could absolutely change everything. <laughs> on second thought, <laughs> this one may be the most bold prediction ever. Honorable mention for possibly being my favorite running take period on the Colorado State qualifying team, it's sports from frustrated kevin <laughs> that one is me p.s i started listening to the daily in addition to the daily daily and i love both i would never pay attention to news normally but a podcast about a podcast was just the intrigue <laughs> i needed if you ever decide to make an after show podcast about house of run i would definitely listen and may i formally suggest the name house of ran oh that that's is. good jay yeah our lives aren't that interesting or i don't know what you, i don't know what you do with a spinoff podcast there but i appreciate you listening to both spread the word daily daily pod at gmail.com or is it the Daily Daily Pod? Yeah, the Daily Daily Pod at gmail.com and just Daily Daily Pod on Twitter. Uh, ready for the next one? Yeah. Let's go to Brian Emailer for me from Raleigh, but now from Pennsylvania. Drink. This is one of those old ones because he's talking about uh, Milrose stuff, but okay. I'll read him anyway. On last week's show, you said Krisha Schweizer was a dark horse to medal in the 5000 Olympics, but I think El Perger stole that title. She may not even be a dark horse. She did beat the reigning world bronze medalist on Saturday. Now, I know it's a mile, not the 5,000, but 416, the American indoor record, number two all-time indoors. Only three seconds off the world record, which is a questionable record, IMO. Prairie ran a great two-mile at Boston and has the training, and the training focus is still on the 5,000. Then you have Brazier, 144 American record, 53-51 negative split, sub-25 last lap. Between this 800 and his earlier 600, Brazier's on another level. Bryce Hopple is no slouch. He ran 144 last year, and Brazier ran away from him on the last lap like he was standing still. And you can't forget about Aji's American record. Uh, look, I get it. The indoor season is short, especially this year. But why can't the Camel City Elite meet in Milrose be different weekends, get Jenny Simpson, Chalimo, Angles, Murphy, and Chez up to Milrose and slot in the Camel City meet last weekend between Boston and Milrose? Regards, Brian, the email from me from Raleigh, but now from Pennsylvania. P.S. I have a friend and co-worker that has run 227 in the marathon that runs with an armband. Well, there you go. Did you, so have you, you used the uh, the fanny pack type situation? Sorry, I don't remember the actual name of it. Yeah, the belt. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. It's pretty. It's relatively comfortable, and my goal is just disguising it. But it, so even if you're wearing a t-shirt, you can cover it. And right. Obviously, if you're wearing, um, like bag, like a anything baggy, it's gonna go way over it. Um, so no, I've enjoyed it so far. Listened to a podcast yesterday when I was running. Hasn't made me faster yet, but it also hasn't made me slower. Hey, that's a win. Uh, Lola from London. Yeah. Dear Vapor and Alpha, I'm sure Mondo's <laughs> record will give the high priests of Earth Sports all sorts of reasons to celebrate. However, the real res- lesson they should take away is that great performances need great atmospheres. It's hard to see the scenes in Turun and remember the lonely sight of Dina Asher Smith doing a victory lap in front of two men and a dog in Doha. <laughs> great performances aren't enough to convert new fans. You need to show them great performances and how to react. People see a pole vault and think, LOL, why is that a sport? People see Mondo record and think, what? That was insane. Let's hope they learn their lesson. Yeah, I mean, it's it's right. I mean, you see something like Mondo and just how crazy it is. I mean, I think if you're at the stadium watching the pole vault, you go, holy crap, like because you just see how high it really is like in relation to... Yeah, what you're watching, um, but even on video, something like Mondo's is just like insane, and the way the crowd reacts, it's it, it's hard not to get to get swept up in that. Rich from the North Shore of Boston, yeah, can't a runner set the 1500 meter world record in route of a mile race? I think Kajelka was trying to do that when he broke the one mile record last year. If that's the case, then I think you're good to claim PRs from the start of the race, first 5k of a 10k, first 10k of a marathon, etc. You can, but the the timing needs to be set up for that, right? Otherwise, and I mean, if you're, beneficial. you know, if you're just the average runner like me at one point in my life, um, you know, if you were to, yeah, run the first five k of a ten k, and you watched it, and you, you were like ten seconds or something better, where it's not, yes. you know, you don't need the exact timing. I feel like you can comfortably say that, but yeah, I mean, uh, for the actual record purposes, yeah, you're right. You need the the official timing and everything set up. Aaron is up next. Yeah. This will be my last and only take on shoes for the foreseeable future. To those that say Nike Alpha Fly is, quote, technological doping, end quote, let's pump the brakes on the apocalyptic doom and gloom. First, determining the exact advantage the, sh- uh, the shoes provide is still uncertain. We have a good amount of anecdotal evidence that it helps some athletes. It seems that people point to the shoes every time a Nike athlete has a big breakthrough. But for everyone else, it's just hard work. Second, let's assume that this technological breakthrough has changed the game and any athlete not running in the new shoes will be at a decisive disadvantage to think that shoe companies like adidas brooks hoka or new bounds won't adapt and find their own version of what nike has done is a bit short-sighted and underestimates their capabilities third i compare this new breakthrough to that of the mondo track surfaces those surfaces have a similar level of energy return improvement that nike shoes claim if you're trying to hit a qualifying standard on a normal track versus a mondo surface you will be at a similar level of disadvantage, but I don't hear anyone saying we need to go back to the cinder tracks of yesteryear to make competition fair. I'm not going to let this shoe debacle get in the way of me enjoying what I think will be an amazing 2020 Olympic year. I know Nike has done slash supported some questionable stuff, Alberto, NOP, and all the other conspiracy theories Dwight has brought up, but I don't believe they're trying to destroy our sport. Without Nike, track and field would be very different, and I don't think for the better. Aaron out. P.S. Kevin, are your kids into video games? My seven- and four-year-old want to play minecraft all day uh no well 
I only have a, I have a four year old and a two year old. Four year old thinks he's playing video games, but it's like a very basic mm. thing. Um, and I'm trying to get him just to not do that ever because I don't want. I mean, no. If, I mean, if you play video games, great. I'm just trying to delay that as long as I can because you don't want to play him in NBA Street. No, I don't like. I don't, it's just it's so intense now. I feel like it's not just a side thing people do. It's it becomes all consuming, and he when he gets into an activity, he gets extremely absorbed in it. And I feel like he'd be susceptible to mm. playing them for hours on end. Uh I mean, Aaron brings up several points here, all of which are, um, yeah, I mean, important to consider. I'm having like. It's one thing, the road stuff, the track stuff, to me, is a whole other level of, of, I don't want to say ridiculousness, but I find the advantage of the track stuff um, harder to wrap my head around. Like, that it has that much tangible difference, more so than any other shoes previously. And I know they're just like the British press is like all over Gemma Riki right now about what shoes she's wearing. Yeah, of course. As if, because as if there's, they needed a Because she did something well, and we can't just let her have that for a minute. But again, going back to Alex Hutchinson's great article, uh, it used to be when someone like dropped four seconds off their best time, they'd talk about, accuse them of doing something else. That's true. And now it's, oh, what shoes are you wearing? Um, a lot of people, a lot of Nike athletes don't even wear the shoes. Shelby doesn't wear the shoes. Brazier doesn't wear the shoes, right? So there's that. There's the element of the testing that have done on the spikes is nowhere near what the testing they've done on the road shoes. So, again, I think the road shoes obviously provide an advantage. Whether or not it's something that needs to be legislated is is a different story. Uh, the, the the track spike, so I think it's going to like completely alter um, what goes on f- in... Um, in track events, I think you have to make another another leap there to get to it. Um, like, you know what really helped the times in Doha for the distance races? The air per- conditioning. I say perfect weather. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just I don't know. like I, I don't know what it is. I think maybe it's just because physically they're smaller, right? And I know they can still provide an advantage where they're small, but I just just going back to like when you and I were in high school with the Jasaris, right? Like it was just a plate attached. <laughs> To, to an upper, basically, right? Right. They were, were 4.5 ounces, and they were super expensive. Um, were those? Did those provide even a minuscule advantage over the next best spikes? I mean, probably because everybody else was just running those clunky like Zoom <laughs> Rival Ds. Well, until the Kennedys came out, right? And then people got the Kennedys, and and those were fine. But I don't know. That stuff just that spike technology just changes so much. It's hard to believe that anybody's going to be that far. Um, behind and all this talk about an air pocket really changing the game on a track spike when someone's running an 800 i don't i don't know yeah man i had shoes with air pockets when i was in middle school so i don't know what the hell they're talking about yeah i think i think he also is right like the other companies i know nike has made like patents on all sorts of different stuff but like yeah adidas everybody else is going to come up with if it's not quite as good it'll be very close yeah to to what Nike is because they can buy the Nike shoe and tear it apart and figure yeah. out the way they do it without copying it and you know blah blah blah. But do you do you uh, do you agree with me that like track spikes and road flats are just two totally different monsters? Yeah, it seems like it. I mean, from what I can 
from what I could tell. It, se- it seemed like for you know for a long time the track spikes were I mean way ahead of road equivalents, yeah. Um, yeah. and so like that you know they've already had like plates and different stuff in there. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I, yeah. It's just I don't know what you. I, I imagine they're a lot closer. I mean, I haven't seen anything. I'm sure once somebody does something good this year, it'll come out that it's unfair. But for now, yeah. I, I, I do agree. Well, and who won that women's mile at, at Melrose? Eleanor Perrier in the New Balance shoes. Nah, they have carbon plate too. I just, I think, I think just people underestimate. They want to chalk up a, a great performance to to the technology and as opposed to just more like the whole idea of like when one person runs really well, the, the, the effect that that has on the whole group. So it's like, and we've talked about this before. Coco broke the German record and the British record was broken by Ricky and Perrier broke the American record. It's like, well, go to 2012 in the Olympics. Rudisha runs a crazy time and everybody follows like there. There's like a hurting effect there that I, that I think is real um in in distance races um i mean if brazier's i mean well brazier's wear the shoes but someone who wears the shoes runs a 139 in the 800 then and then we'll talk <laughs> right uh okay uh jay wilson again also not a beach boy still um actually he says feel free to postpone this email as long as necessary so i'm gonna postpone that email <laughs> uh because he does say, I, I always feel bad when my shenanigans fall in a week with a ton of emails. Uh, never feel bad for sending in email. Your, your emails are very entertaining, good, and uh, appreciated, Jay. So don't feel bad. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I just want to get to one of my out get, there. Yeah, get to all these. Uh, here's one from David, formerly mediocre distance runner in Colorado Springs via Reno from Maidstone, Kent, England. <laughs> Whoa, drink. All sorts of different stuff. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Mondo, for messing up the American record song. Instead of best performance for an American citizen, it's got to be rewritten to the ever-so-catchy best performance by an American citizen who hasn't decided to compete for Sweden. By the way, your Scottish accent a couple of shows ago was crap. I could understand every word you said. <laughs> Ran a it's PB. true. Scottish, I sh- I've run into a couple uh, Scottish people who are so so friendly, but there were a few times I could not could not hear a word and it was it was fantastic and they just laughed it off because they they knew what was going on and like uh, i don't know ran a pb for the second 5k of a half marathon 1453 to 1458 didn't really count it as a pr however ran 1422 in my next 5000 at stanford in the old stadium the one with the 70,000 empty seats for track events so i mean you run 14s you can count whatever pr you want that's my say <laughs> Yeah, and he did exactly what I said, where he's like, oh, you know, broke it by a little bit, but then just ran a 5K a little later mm-hmm. just to really smash it. Like, that's the way to do it. Because you, once you're setting it in the middle of uh, your half marathon, you, you know you're much faster than, than that. Let's go to Caleb, formerly of Stanford, California, currently from Palo Alto, California. Drink. Yes, I've been to those places. Whereabouts, schmerabouts. People concerned over Christian Coleman's whereabouts failures need to look no further than his feet for confirmation of his innocence. The dude can't seem to find two matching shoes in which to race and thus can't be expected to be in a specific location at a given date and time. I can only assume he is preparing to move up to the to the 200 by wearing a super spike on his right foot and the coveted 4% on his left to help him make the turn. <laughs> That's funny. An unrelated question. I noticed some athletes 
at indoors wearing USA kit as being an American is literally the criteria for entry. This feels a bit redundant. Who gets to wear this gear and does it get them out of wearing the Malthusian Nike kit worn by every athlete in every Diamond League race? Love the show. Thanks. That is Caleb. Usually if they're wearing a USA kit, that means they're not sponsored and they don't have another kit to wear. Right. Because if they're sponsored, the sponsor wants them to wear the new kit or the new-ish kit. Yeah, everybody's wearing that two-tone Nike thing. I hope they come up with a different one soon for outdoors. Uh, not that not that big a fan of that one. But Johnny did notice Christian Coleman. She asked why his shoes were different. Um, and I was like, I'm guessing it's just a, a style thing. But she was like, I wasn't sure if it was like bowling, where one shoe does a different thing than the other. It's a, a fair question. <laughs> Definitely style. One thing is not doing a different thing. <laughs> Uh, Brian again here. Paul Chalimo's back. I'm not talking about his win at USA Indoors. I'm talking about Trash Talk. Hope they both double at trials so we can get some more of this. Kevin, Chaboy, James West had a phenomenal weekend running 747 and 357 at UW. The 3K is always so deep in the NCAA, partly due to the distance. You get Milers and 5K guys and partially due to the scheduling at NCAAs. It's one of the last events at NCAA, so it allows for doubling back. This year seems uniquely deep. 12 guys under 750 if you include Peter Sufer's 3K converted from a flat 200-meter track, which, of course, I do. Has there been a year with as many sub-750 guys? Who you got for the win at NCAAs? That's Brian. Ooh, that's a tough one. I am going... I want to say it's between Klecker and Kurgot. And earlier this year, I, once Kurgot ran, I, he was, like, so good in cross. And then he ran the 1322-ish time i was like no one's gonna beat him this year and then people have run faster than he has i'll stick with him i'll stick with Kruger. i'm not gonna overthink things it's indoors there we go yeah i agree with kevin there it is uh oh this is a good email i mean they're all good we got an email from andrew yeah from michigan medium time listener he's okay. from greenville michigan small town about 20 miles away from grand rapids michigan which is brazier's hometown Okay. So we need some like inside it. insight. I'm a year younger than him, so I competed and watched him compete many times in high school. Didn't actually compete with him, just happened to start a few races at the same time and places him because he was so far in front of the field. <laughs> I'm guessing and hoping his football comments are trolling the NFL players talking about making the Olympics. Why? Because the first time I saw him run was a cross-country meet, of course. This leads me to believe his highest level of football was middle school. So the idea of his NFL dreams are quite humorous. Well, tell that to Jason, who thinks he can beat Shelly and Fraser Price in 100. More stuff on I, high school. I stand Brazier. by that. Uh, as you can imagine, at this point, he is a local legend. People are amazed at what he's done, and rightfully so. The most common remark is, I can't believe a kid from Grand Rapids is a world champ. My response is, I'm not. When he was in high school, I don't think people understood how talented he was. His 148.06 high school PR does not tell the whole story. He also ran 147 at Brooks PR. State of Michigan does not count out-of-state performances. Of course, why would you? This doesn't, you know, it wouldn't, doesn't make any sense. Way to go, Federations. That's me saying that, not Andrew. He's way too polite to say that. First of all, you can tell by his stride that he was just levels above everyone else, but this, particular, but this is not particularly unusual for high school prodigies. What set him apart in my eyes was his range. When I mentioned he ran cross, he didn't just run cross-country to get a base for track. He was a very good cross-country runner. His 5K PR at the state finals meet was 15.25, which was good for sixth place in Division One. Great for an 800 guy. This is also one of the deepest Michigan cross-country fields in history. 
One with 37 guys under 16 minutes. For reference, 2019 had 24, 2018 had 20, 2017 had 31, 2016 had 16. The five guys ahead of him in 2014 are high-level collegiate runners. Grant Fisher, ever heard of him? Logan Wetzel, 402 miler at Nova. Anthony Berry, 401 miler at Michigan. Isaac Harding, 1407, 5000 at Michigan. And Ryan Robinson, also at Michigan. Add this strength to his 4796 400 PR, which again doesn't tell the whole story. I remember being excited uh, upon finishing the 3200 because I could get his 4x4 split, which would end up in the 46s on multiple occasions. Legend has that he ran a 45-9 in a dual meet, but I can confirm I split him at 46-5 at our regional meet where he came from behind to beat East Kentwood. East Kentwood is consistently the best track program in Michigan with eight team titles in the last 11 years. This was the most exciting 4x4 I've ever seen. The infield and the crowd was crazy. So you put all this together, honestly, I'm not that surprised. He is a world champ and American record holder. Lastly, I should add that his state meet record of 148.9 will likely fall this year. Because the shoes. I made that up. <laughs> Last year at state finals, we had three sophomores go 1-2-3, all run 151-152. I'll be bold and, bold and say this will be the most competitive non-national high school race in the country the next two years. I may be biased because I coach one of the three. Oh, there we go. But nonetheless, nice. it will make Donovan proud of his home state. Great job with the show. Hope you find this insightful and interesting. Best regards. That is Andrew. Yes, certainly. Both insightful and interesting. I like the on-the-ground stuff that we get. Yeah, you know, no, adds this is a little, great. Adds facts to our just wildly unfounded opinions. But yes, I mean, he has to be joking. Yeah, I mean, I don't think... Yeah, it's, it didn't seem likely anyway, and it's not main, even mainly to do with like his speed. It's just like, dude, you barely ever played football. Like, that just doesn't... Or never. Doesn't bode well. Or never. Uh, but here's another perspective on this. This is from Dennis in New Jersey. In your discussion about Donovan Brazier going to football, you completely dismissed the idea of a top track athlete making the transition to the NFL, saying it's more likely an NFL player making the U.S. Olympic track team. Have you forgotten about New Jersey's own Ronaldo Skeets Nehemiah? Ronaldo never played college football at the University of Maryland, but he tried out and made the San Fran 49ers one of the top teams in the 80s. Although he didn't have a stellar career, he played three seasons, earned a Super Bowl ring, and was only cut when some rookie from West or from Mississippi Valley took his spot. Remember who that was, Jason? Some rookie from Mississippi Valley? I don't know. 49ers wide receiver in the 80s? I mean, it's Jerry Rice? Correct. <laughs> and although Donovan doesn't have the same explosive speed as Ronaldo, if NFL football legend Randall Cunningham thinks Donovan has a shot, see track and field <laughs> article from a track and field news article from March 2019. Who are we, I mean Kevin, to argue? <laughs> uh, I don't dismiss the idea of a track athlete going to NFL. Like, Donovan Brazier, not Donovan Brazier, that's what we're just talking about. Marvin Bracey, we talked about earlier. Like, like sprinters who have insanely elite speed, like where you automatically go in and you know, hey, I've got this skill that's better than literally everyone in the league or 99.9% of the league. Um, Brazier's got good speed, but he's a middle distance runner, so he's got really good endurance and let's say average Super speed. helpful. On- yeah, and let's say oh. average speed. You know, I'm just giving him average speed. So that means he has to be better than average at all the other parts of the NFL. Um, he's also super undersized as far as weight-wise, which, you know, maybe could change. But, like, he doesn't have those other things going for him, so it seems to not be as beneficial. I'm looking at this interview. It says he played freshman football. He did? Okay. So, but I'll, I'll read the whole quote. 
uh, they asked him, did you play other sports as a kid? Yeah, I did a lot of football and basketball, actually. Those are my two other sports. That's what I really enjoyed doing. I still do enjoy doing, but obviously with trying to keep your body healthy, you got to limit what you can do. So I've stepped away. I wish I could play more football, though. At USA's this last indoor, I actually told my coach I could play wide receiver if I really put my time and effort into it. Vashai Cunningham was high jumping, and her dad, Randall Cunningham, happened to be talking to my coach, too. And my coach said, hey, Donovan thinks he could be a wide receiver in the NFL if he really tried to. Randall Cunningham said, word for word, I think he could. I was really proud, even running that meet, because I wanted to be a wide receiver at that moment, word for word. But he's just a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's one of those guys that makes me want to follow that path and hear their dreams, but that's probably not where I'm going to go. Then they asked, uh, maybe if you win an Olympic gold, can you give it a try? Or you, you can give it a try. Did you play high school football? I played freshman year. I didn't do anything after that. I didn't even play freshman basketball. I stopped after that. I was the smallest kid on the team. Like I've said, I was a late bloomer and just decided to run cross country, which was one of the stupidest decisions I've ever made. Laughs. I thought football is <laughs> too much pressure. It hurts too much. I want to run cross country. <sighs> yeah, I'm, I mean... I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fine to have those fun fantasies that we all have sometimes. <laughs> I mean, Ronaldo Nehemiah is a sprinter. How tall is a Ronaldo Nehemiah? How much does Ronaldo Nehemiah weigh? I mean, come on, let's let's. Well, that's the thing. It's like I said, sprinters. Yeah, going there. I'm not discounting that at all because, like I said, if you have you have the speed, if you happen to be an uh, you know above average, just like athlete, like on you know all the other stuff, then. Hey, you got a shot because teams are going to give you a chance just because you show up and you're faster than everyone else there. Ronnie my six well listed at six one one seventy six. So that's not big either, but not huge. Yeah, but he ran the high hurdles under thirteen seconds, which means he would be an elite sprinter if he took away the barriers. Yeah, yeah. Bra- Brazier's not Brazier's not an elite sprinter. <laughs> He's an amazing 800-meter runner. He is not an elite sprinter. Yeah, and he's the best in the world at the 800. So I get the idea of the grass is always greener, and I might it would be cool to try that thing. It's really hard to walk away from being the best in the world at something. I think we just we need to just stop all this. I know, because now. people are like, hey, do you want to stop doing the podcast? And I'm like, no, I'm the best in the world at this. Oh, man. Okay, he played freshman. I mean, has anybody who's only played freshman football ever, ever, ever? Yeah. Okay, let's go to our next email. Yes. Well, we, got, we got two voicemails from, from Chief. We'll get to those in a second. Oh, we have an awesome one here. We got a really good one from Sean. Uh, he says, I run for Bentley University outside of Boston and just like you guys – were i am a very average runner and greatly enjoy watching the sport i've always wanted to email the show but i never thought it would have something interesting enough to say the other week my roommate joey was really bored and was curious to see if there was any way he could say he beat mo farah mukhtar idris or kennedy sabakali in the 5k via the transitive property so (laughs) starting at him beating person b and person b beating person c and so on could he end up beating the world record holder or the last two champs at the olympics and worlds just for reference, if you look at the attached spreadsheet, he starts with a 5K he ran in high school, and he wants me to point out that his PR is much faster than the 1756 he ran in the race that starts the chain. The spreadsheet includes the name of the winner, the name of the loser, the team of the loser, the day of the race, the meet, and the winner's time. We thought you guys might be interested in something like this, as it took a lot fewer steps than we thought it would. It's an interesting exercise for people to try if they have a spare hour with nothing else to do, or if someone would like to claim they're the best 5K runner in the world. All they have to do is beat Joey in a race. 
This is this is fantastic. I love this. And uh, yeah, he got there in he got to to Idris in nineteen steps, Farron twenty, and Bekele in twenty one. I should read this, right? Just see yeah. how he does it. Uh I'm interested in other people's too. People should write in. Uh so in I'm not gonna read all the races, but in twenty fifteen at the F C I A C Cross Country Championships, Joey, our protagonist here, beat Ben Ertl. Then Ben Ertl beat Roman Colau. Mm-hmm. Roman Colau beat Eli Nahom. Eli Nahom beat Robbie Kozian. Robbie Kozian beat Andrew Erskine. Andrew Erskine beat Kyle Marks. Kyle Marks beat Liam Hillary. Liam Hillary beat Shane Quinn. Shane Quinn beat Ryan Herson. Ryan Herson beat C.J. Alberson. And that's the first name I recognize. I recognize C.J. Alberson. Okay. So we get, so we get, get there in 10 steps. So C.J. Alberson beat Zach Perrin. Zach Perrin beat Grant Fisher. There we so go. So now, now we're in business, right? Yep. So now, thankfully, Zach Perrin beat Grant Fisher at the – when he beat him? At Pac-12s in 2018. Fisher uh, beat Edwin Kurgott. Kurgott beat Don Cabral. Mm. Don Cabral beat Cam Levins. Cam Levins beat Hassan Mead. Hassan Mead beat Lopez Lamong. Lopez Lamong beat Paul Chalimo. Yeah, he did. And let him hear about it. Chalimo beat Idris. Idris beat Farah. Farah beat Bekele. <sighs> That's really good. Yeah. So the, looking at the times here, because he has like a winner's time on there. Yeah. Like, it's just funny how it goes from a winning time of in the high 17s to in the, <laughs> in the 12s. Yeah, the 12s. That's yeah, that's yeah. What that's was, great. I want to know trying. what the biggest upset was along the road here. Right, was any of this completely out of the out of the way? I like it. Good this job. Great, I, I love it. Very very well done. Whatever you're learning at Bentley University is paying off, Sean and Joey. Good work by the two of you. Uh, okay, so we got an email from Bob that we'll hold, and then an email from Jay that we'll hold. But we got two voicemails from Chief. We'll see what he's calling about. And then we'll leave it there. What up, boys? Chief from Illinois, now Indianapolis. Drink your milk, Braylon. Listen to the pod. And Nick call, or wrote in with an email saying he likes the USA kits. Well, I- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull a Julian on this. I'm pissed. Are you kidding me? You, you like that? That font is from Microsoft Word. That's a terrible font. The colors aren't right. It looks like it looks like a jersey that came out five years ago. And I'll send I'll send Sully the jersey. It's that's a trash kit. It's just there's nothing innovative about it. In 2016, they brought in those arrow blades. I'm not saying that those did anything when it comes to reducing drag, like claimed. But at least it was innovative. I mean, they have taken so many steps backwards for the Tokyo kits it's not even funny but that peace boys the the rare anti nike gear uh call in from chief yeah i mean you thought trash talk of the year was already over chief's trying to to get in here <laughs> yeah i wasn't a fan either no i mean i i didn't hate him quite as much as you guys i would not say i approved but i was just kind of like eh they could do better probably Next to the uh, Kenya jerseys, they look fine. 
Yeah, that's true. It's I just yeah, feel like they could just do I don't know. Be yeah, be more original, be do, do something. I don't know. So they just they all kind of most of them the thing is too is they just blend together over the years where I'm not yeah. really you know, they're not memorable at all. Throw yeah. some names on the back. Were they red? Were they blue? We don't remember. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, one more from Chief. What up, boys? Chief from Illinois, now Indianapolis. Drink your milk, Braylon. Uh, wanted to do a little PTI game. You know, I haven't done one of these for a while. So um, we're going to start with Jason. Jason, you are the uh, house run favorite. Uh, Jim Wamsley, you are going to be running next weekend in the U.S. Marathon Trials. How are you feeling, and where do you think you're going to finish? All right, Sully, you are Lopez Lamong. Please tell me how you're feeling about uh, Mr. Paul Chalimo. Um, apparently, he's a lion, and you're a chihuahua. Go. Now, uh, Jason, I want you to be Chalimo responding back to Lopez, because this beef is too good not to role play. With that, peace, boys. Uh, okay, I'll start there with Lopez Long. Look, uh, I'm getting under this guy's skin, and I'm way older than him. I don't have the top-end speed that I used to. Yes, I'm super fast, but the only way I beat this guy is if I make him think, if I make him sweat, and now I'm doing that. And if nothing else, I'm getting really good at memes, very good at memes. The only way you could beat me is with a time machine because that's when all of your <laughs> victories came against me. I, I, you won last year because I didn't want to pace your your team to something. I knew what I was. I knew what I could do. And yeah, maybe I messed around a little bit too much. But now you've you kidding me. You you unleash the beast. I am going to destroy you. You'll be lucky if I don't make you retire at the end of this year. Ooh. Yeah. I. I mean, I'm gonna give that one round to you. That was actually really good. You took that very seriously. Uh, what about Jim Walmsley, the ultra marathoner? Yeah, getting a lot of getting a lot of ink. He ran, he ran a half marathon to qualify. Yep. For this, uh, for the marathon trials, uh, Ultraman, f- ultra marathon fans think he has a chance. This uh, is big for them. Is this is this a hit? Is this the? Race? I mean, because you know, hey, ultra runners are amazing. They do crazy things um, that none of us can do. Uh, but like they, you know, it it's the hey, you only become an ultra marathoner if you can't compete in the regular kind of events. And if if Walmsley could come in here and actually do something, that that would be big. Even if he doesn't qualify, but if he's fifth or something, that would be huge, right? Do you think he's gonna fit his? So he ran sixty four, no. <laughs> right at the qualifying um, center for the half. Well, do you so think I'm he's Jim Walmsley. Fifth. Uh. Okay, so yeah, I'm I'm gonna qualify. I mean, look. So first of all, there's like three guys. Wait, is this you saying that, or is this Jim Walmsley? This is Jim Walmsley. This is Jim Walmsley. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, he's I did, probably I thought... way nicer than I'm than I'm gonna pretend he is. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna qualify. Have you seen this U.S. men's distance? Yeah, if I was on the women's side, I wouldn't have a chance. But against these men, someone's gonna no show. Everyone else is gonna run two twelve. This is like half a run for me. I, they're gonna all be dragging in the mile twenty two. I'm gonna be just hitting my stride. I'm gonna finish this thing strong. Um, the only reason I've done the ultras because I didn't think the marathon was a challenge enough for me. <laughs> There's a lot of ultra fans. Well, we don't have probably many of those listening, but they're nodding. They're like, "Yeah, yeah, finally." He I think our boy, I think our buddy Steeltown Runner is a is a big, uh, yeah. big ultra yeah, that, guy. That was for him. That was for him. Yeah. Uh, look, it's a nice story. I don't think he can get fifth. By the way, I was just saying if he were to do something 
like that, I think that would be a, be a huge deal. Uh, I didn't read any of the articles that have come up about it, uh, come out about him, so I don't know how much he's tailored his training. But since he ran the 64 in Houston last year, he's run a 50-miler, a 100-miler, and then a 90K. Those are six hours, 14 hours, and five hours. Just in the sweet spot. Yeah, I don't – I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. I think obviously What's he'll – What's over-under for his time? I mean, that course – well, that's the reason why people are, like, big on Like, well, the course has hills. It's like, yep, Jared Ward's never run a hill before. He's going to get to one and be like, what is this? Uh, well, 64, I'm going to say – 215? Okay. I think he's going to run 214 and change. Okay. Which is – hey, that's a – it's a good marathon. I mean, I mean if he qualifies, a... if he qualifies, every uh, professional runner is going to just have to leave the building. Yeah, it's it'd be the equivalent of like I don't know some NFL player qualifying for the Olympic trials and just be like in hundred. Yes, in, in, it'd be, the, be the equivalent be like, of Adrian oh, Peterson no. making the team in the four hundred. Yeah, we just be like, all right, guys, that's that. I can promise you, we'll end the podcast. <laughs> Microphones straight into the ocean. Yeah. Uh, thank you to Chief. For the calls, those were good. Thanks to everybody who wrote in. The two we missed, we'll get to them next week. Next week will be the big marathon trials preview show. I'm going to be in Atlanta that weekend. So, hey, if you want to tell me places to run and places to eat, get a head start on that. Send them my way. Um, also, I'm going to be in this uh, Spokane. I've never been to Spokane. I'm going to be there, not for work, but I'm going to be there this uh, weekend. So, if people have any tips for there, let me know. Uh, I got some good info on Albuquerque, so I appreciate people who who reached out with food and and running routes. It was much appreciated. Um, But, yeah, Spokane and uh, Atlanta, if anybody's got them, send them my way, please. Nice. I I will reciprocate. Um, That's it. That's the show. Like I mentioned, Flowtrack Podcast also every morning. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or, you know, if you really want to get into the news, Daily Daily did an episode about Michael Bloomberg this morning. Yeah. Not a runner. Definitely hashtag not a runner. I mean, maybe he runs. <laughs> He's running for president. Not in not. the running? Question mark. Got to listen to find out, guys. I should hire you for my social social media team there. All right, that's it. That's the show. We'll talk to you guys next time. Jess Ennis. Can we just let Ricky have this for a little bit? Without the shoe thing. No, we can't. And they're making it seem like it's some huge scandal, like. Oh my God, like she did it without anybody knowing. Oh, the secret. And like nobody else has the shoes. Like she improved by five seconds because of her shoes. But all the other people uh, who have stayed the same. Uh, what? Yeah. <laughs>